Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Last week we talked about how joy is relational. Right? We talked about how we cannot find joy outside of relationship with God the Father, with Jesus, and we can't have relation, joy without being in healthy relationship with one another. This week and next week, we're going to be talking about how do we create and sustain high joy communities, right? We want to be a church. We want to be a community that has a high level of joy, right? We mentioned last week that the church, we are supposed to be generators or bringers of joy, right? We were given this mandate to to take the good news of Jesus into all the world, and that good news is Uh, is news of joy for each and every one of us and for every person on the planet. And so because that is our mandate, because we are following a joyful Savior, the church should be filled with high-joy people who are living in joy and transferring that to those that they encounter. But we've all been in the church long enough. We've all met other church people. We all have seen ourselves on our less-than-perfect days uh, that we're not always full of joy, and we're not always transferring that joy effectively to other people. So what can we do about that? How can we create a community create a church, create a a group of people that is full of joy. In his book, Joy Starts Here, which I would recommend if somebody wants to dive deeper into these topics, this idea of how do we uh, live and create uh, lives of joy, it's a really, really, really good book um, by James Wilder. And he says that there's three conditions that need to be in place for us to create and sustain high joy communities. I did that one. See, the first one, he said, is that the weak and the strong need to be together and interacting, right? There is a community in our community, right? We don't want to create little tribes within our community, and left to their own natures, right, weak people and strong people are going to separate. It's just the nature of the beast, and so uh, if we want to create high-joy communities, we need to see weak and strong people together and interacting. Number two, we, the, the, we need tender responses to weakness. Right? That has to be our foundation. When there's people in our community, people in our families, people around us that are in a space of weakness, right? we don't pull back, but we actually engage with them. And we love them. And then the third one is this interactive presence of God, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, maintains shalom or maintains peace. And today we're going to talk about the first two, uh, and then next week we'll talk about that, the presence of God bringing peace. Uh, so I want to start with a, a Bible story, um, but I'm not going to read it. We're just going to watch this uh, video of the Bible, this Bible story. So if you go ahead and play that, Reuben. Awesome. Thank you. I, I like that. It's, it, it captures something, right, that we miss after reading and rereading and rereading. Now, certainly, the, Jesus and the disciples wouldn't have been that white, 
and they wouldn't have sounded like uh, Imperial officers from, Stor from Star Wars. But other than that, I thought it was a great uh, rendition, right? And what I, what I loved was the joy on the, the Samaritan woman's face as she was invited in, right? And then she goes and she tells all the people in the, in the, in the, the, the town, and they're filled with joy, right? And this is what the, the kingdom is about. It's about Jesus bringing joy to people. And it gets us to our first uh, point here, is that the weak and the strong are together and interacting. Right? We saw that in this story. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. And as they kind of got across there in, in, the, in the video, right, Samaritans were looked down on. They were half-breeds. They were hated. They were traitors. People uh, avoided them. Right? They were outcasts. And yet, as she's drawing water, what does Jesus do? Right? He invites her in. In, in this case, right, Jesus is the strong one. In every case, Jesus is the strong one. But here, right, we, we see that he's healthy. He's secure in his identity. He's walking in love and righteousness. And the, the woman at the well, she is weak. She's despised, she's misunderstood, she doesn't fit in, she's living in sin. And yet Jesus invites her in. He dwells with her. He doesn't call her to, you know, to repent or to, to deal with all this stuff before he welcomes her and loves her and creates this interacting connection, right? And his disciples come and they're like, why are you talking to that woman? That's crazy. But the, what we need to do as we are trying to create high joy communities is look for ways for the weak and the strong to be together. And sometimes we're strong and sometimes we're weak, right? We're going to go back and, and forth. But as we grow in our joy, as we grow in our emotional health, as we grow in our spiritual formation, we're going to be strong more and more. And so that strength should be taken towards the weak and welcomed in, invited in. And so where do we draw boundaries? Right? That's an important question as we look at this. Where are we drawing boundaries? We saw the, the disciples drawing clear boundaries. Right? This good news, this gospel, is just for the Jews. It's just for us. Right? But then their eyes are opened up as Jesus takes it further. And so where are we drawing boundaries? Maybe it's boundaries of race or boundaries of socioeconomic status, how much money people make. Maybe we draw boundaries about who has what job, right? Maybe we draw boundaries around politics. That's probably, that probably wouldn't happen, but theoretically it could. Right? And we have to ask, who do we welcome with open arms? And who do we just nod at and try to stay on the other side of the sanctuary from? Right? Because as a community, we need to be walking in unity and connection. Right? Even those who are weak. And I have this dream where we, and we are good at this, we're already good at this, but there's always room to grow. How can we be a community where all people are not just welcome, but they're wanted? Not just welcome, but they're wanted. With the Samaritan woman, Jesus, uh, you know, doesn't reject her or demand anything, but treats her, just treats her like a person. 
right? Just invites her in and accepts her right as she is, but he calls her to righteousness. And he, I think, though we don't see how this story plays out, he gives her time. He gives her space. He allows and trusts that the Holy Spirit actually does what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do and transforms people. We see a, a very similar thing when Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. Maybe one of my top five Bible stories is when Jesus calls Matthew because Matthew is this tax collector, right? And he is, he is looked down on. He is a Jew, but he's despised. He's seen as a traitor. He's hated. He's stealing the other Jewish people's money and he's getting rich off of it, right? This is a bad dude. And, and he's aligned himself with the enemy. He is an enemy. And he's aligned himself with the enemy. He's made himself an enemy of Yahweh. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't come and say, Hey, Matthew, you better get some stuff figured out. And when you're done, you can come and be part of my entourage. You can follow me around, get me water when I'm thirsty. No, he says, Hey, Matthew, in your fallen, broken, corrupt, messed up state, why don't you come and be one of the top 12 guys? That's crazy. That's crazy. But Matthew responds appropriately. Right? He responds. He doesn't stay in his sin. He doesn't stay re- you know, rejecting God and aligning himself with the enemy. He comes and is transformed as he follows. Not as a prerequisite of following Jesus, but as in part of the process of following Jesus. Right? And so we want to promote that same idea as well. Not a demand that the, the weak be, become strong before we welcome them into our family here as a church, but we welcome those who are struggling and those who are, are weak into the family and we love them with the love of Jesus. And what, what do we see? I think it's in Romans, says the kindness of God leads to repentance. Right? So I've beaten that a little bit. So you get it. So how are we practicing this condition of high joy community? How are we practicing weak and strong living together and interacting? And we can bring it down just to church. We can look at how are we doing this in this building on Sunday mornings. It's way bigger than that. This is a great place to practice, right? How are we welcoming people at the door? Who are we talking to on Sunday mornings? Who are we avoiding on Sunday mornings? Right? What is our safe place? And are we willing to step out of our comfort zone just to, to say hi and treat people like human beings? Right? I'm not saying we're bad at this. We're great at this. But there's always room to grow. Okay? But as we think about it, we remember that those connections are creating the high joy community that we are looking for here at New Day Community Church. We want to be a church that creates belonging. And Dr. Wilder says in his book, when we create belonging around us, we are growing a network of joyful relationships. Our herd, our community, is connected and empowered by joy and seeks to invite others to share joy with us. Right? That's what we want. 
We talked about last week that joy is relational. We want to be pursuing that relational connection with Jesus Christ so that we are connected to the bringer, the generator, the creator of joy so that joy wells up inside of us. And we want to have strong relational connections with other people and we want to actually be happy to be with them because that relationship creates joy. Right? That's what we are looking for. And we want to be connected and empowered by joy. Right? And so this leads directly into the second condition of high joy communities, which is tender responses to weakness are the rule. Right? And this is very similar to what we talked about with that first condition, but we see Jesus live this out with the woman at the well, his tender response. Right? She is a sinner. We're all sinners. Spoiler alert, we're all sinners. She's a, a sinner. She is uh, uh, living with a man who's not her husband. She's had five husbands, right? And she's not that outside of her Samaritanness. Not that that's a sin, obviously, but right? she was an outsider. She was, she was, um, she's weak where Jesus is concerned. And yet he just invites her in. He's just tender to her. And Paul, in his letters to the, the churches that we have in the New Testament, shows that the Jesus community is supposed to respond to weakness with these one another calls, right? He says that we are to bear with one another. We're supposed to forgive one another. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to honor one another above ourselves. Right? These are all tender responses. And all of these one another's are because Paul knows that there's going to be struggle, relational struggle and failure within the Jesus community. But we are called, as Christ followers, to follow the way of Jesus. To love and to forgive and to accept those, even those who hurt us, even those that we want to keep at arm's length. We are to to draw close to them and to be tender, to show them love. And in, in, the, in the book, Joy Starts Here, uh, Dr. Wilder shows three response styles, okay? Three response styles are ways that we respond to weakness. And, how, and we're going to look at how these affect our community. There's three styles. There's protectors, there are predators, and there are possums, okay? Protectors predators and possums. Guess which one we want to be? That's right, correct. It's the protectors. But we're going to look at all three. And uh, I've been all three, certainly, in, in my life and probably yesterday. So protectors are people uh, with healthy, strong, joyful identities. They welcome others. Protectors have tender hearts toward weakness. And protectors do not exploit weaknesses, but instead help vulnerable community members grow in joy. All right? We saw this very clearly uh, in the, the story with the, the woman at the well. When I, when I got saved 25, 26 years ago, uh, at, at, it wasn't New Day at the time, it was called Redemption Christian Assembly. There is a, a young man named Scott Jones. Scott Jones, some of you may know, uh, pastors, New Day, South Carolina. But he was uh, just a, actually probably just a few weeks or a couple months 
further along in his faith journey than I was, but I didn't realize that. I thought he was like a pillar of the church. Uh, come to find out he was not a pillar of the church, but he grew right into that. Uh, he certainly is now. Right, but Scott did this amazing thing for me. Even though you know, he didn't know me from anybody, right? I was just coming, turning up at church with, with Amber periodically, and I was in this rock and roll band, and I had long hair, and you know, I was still drinking and doing all sorts of things that maybe were a little bit like, oh, we're going to keep our distance from this guy. But Scott comes right towards me and invites me in, invites me to play on the worship team, invites me to Bible study, invites me to hang out with him on the weekends, right? And just comes after me to build relationship and just walk with me in, my, in this newfound faith. And it wasn't demanding, it wasn't heavy, it wasn't this kind of shame or control. It was just like, hey, I just want to help you. I just want to be your friend and just walk with you through this cool new thing that you've started. He was a protector. And being a protector is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom, but it takes effort to be protectors. Right? It takes time and it takes energy. Right? Scott had to sacrifice something to protect me and to help me to, to grow in my faith. But that is what we are called to do. That is the way of the kingdom. Then there are the predators. Now the predators is uh, not a good one. Uh, it is primarily fear-based response. This is a primarily fear-based response. And I think that's really interesting, right? The, you're a predator because you're afraid. Afraid of, of what, what could happen. Uh, this is our default, if we're not taught or trained by other protectors, to respond tenderly to weakness. Right? If you are just left to your own nature, you are going to not kind of fall into this idea of being a protector, but you're going to just kind of fall into being a predator. Predators discover the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of others and exploit them. I've heard this can even happen in the church. <laughs> Predators hide their weaknesses and try to appear strong to assure their positions. When we look in the, the Bible, we see predators all over the place. But one, as Amber and I were talking about this the other day, we thought about King Saul hunting down David. Right? Da Saul is offended, and he's intimidated by David. Uh, Paul, or Saul is in a place, a position of power, in a position of authority, and he exploits that position. He exploits that power, using it not only to keep David down, but to track him all over the desert and try to kill him. But we know inside that Saul is insecure, and he's selfish, and he is just reaping the, the consequences of his own actions, right? But he's kind of blustering this facade of power and trying with all his might to hold on to it, even to the extent of trying to destroy young David. Predators in our churches are people that, that shun others. And I was trying to think how to describe this and, and, and figure this out. And I was like, you know who is a great predator? Emperor Palpatine. Am I right? 
Okay, there's, okay guys, there's nine movies. There's nine movies, they're called Star Wars. It's a, it's a saga of movies. And the bad guy is, not, is kind of Darth Vader, yes, but ultimately it's Emperor Palpatine. Watch the movies, you have all day to do it. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, so Emperor Palpatine, he's this overlord, he's ruling this empire, and he is, he's super smart, he's got the force, right? He can see into people's minds, he can see what's happening, and he finds people's weaknesses, and he manipulates it for, to, to build himself up, right? We see this in the fall of Anakin Skywalker. Anakin uh, is, he becomes Darth Vader, but he is fearful, he's, he, he loves Padme, very, very much, and he's afraid that he's going to lose her, and he's willing to do anything that it takes to, to save her life. And Palpatine's like, oh, wait, I can use this. I can use this. I can exploit this weakness to further my own thing. Right? So that's a, a good picture. I would recommend just watch them a couple times, maybe. But in our church, you know, say, <laughs> say there's a husband. We're, we're going to bring it down to, to this level, to your level. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I upload the podcast so I can edit that out. So, oh my goodness. Love you guys. Uh, so say that there's a husband, all right? And this husband has a weakness in his ability to concentrate and his ability to stay motivated. Obviously, this is not me. This is another husband. Um, uh, and when he wanders off in the middle of some other project, his wife begins to use this uh, often used string of comparisons, right? You're, you're not as good as other husbands, right? You are undesirable, you know, and start kind of beating him down. And she, she uses these, these, this string of comparisons and attack to point out her husband's weakness, to, to motivate him through misery, and what happens to the joy level of the husband and the wife in the midst of that? It doesn't go up. It goes down. Okay? And so predators do this, right? Predators are looking for ways. It is not Amber. This is not a personal story. Don't worry about it. It's not my mom. It's nobody. It's a, it's a story. I got, got the story from somewhere else in this book. I can't remember the page. Don't worry. I should have made up a name. The wife's name is Bamber. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm, kidding. Uh, <laughs> All right, when, when we as predators look for the weaknesses of others and we attack them to try to motivate them to do something or to build ourselves up, we are destroying joy. All right? We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be predators. All right? Don't want to be predators. All right, the third, the third one. <laughs> and I got to ride home with Amber. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm glad you guys like me. It's so good. Um, possums. The third, the third relational style. The the third response style is possums. All right, and possums are the other fear and anxiety-based style. Um, I tend to be a possum. When I uh, left to my own devices, I'm going to possum. Uh, the goal is to avoid being exploited by predators. 
What better way to avoid being exploited than just staying away from people emotionally or physically? Perfect. Possums hide, avoid, minimize, withdraw, and conceal their weaknesses. But these weaknesses are likely to be spotted by predators who look to do what predators do. And so as, as possums avoid, as we uh, try to, to move away and, and, and stay and protect ourselves, right, that actually doesn't bring joy. Right? We're doing it to try to stay safe, to try to protect ourselves and go, you know, if I put myself out there, if I you know, build relationships with people, they're going to see who I actually am and they're going to reject me. And so if I possum, if I stay hidden, then I don't have to, to deal with that. But then we bring with us this swirling idea of, like, I'm not good enough. If people knew the real me, right, they would reject me and they would hate me, right? And so we can't find joy in possuming, right? This is, this is why I don't play organized sports, because I don't, because why prove that I'm uncoordinated and can't throw a baseball? When I can just, you know, you know, I'm just here. I'm just rooting you on. I don't have time for that, right? Because uh, if, they, if I, I, play, I played softball one, one year at, at RCA, and Pastor Ken Norberg was the pitcher or the coach or something, and he was the most competitive person. He did not bring joy in that, in the, in the softball diamond. Sorry, Ken. Uh, but... You know, and so I'm standing out there in the, in the outfield, I don't remember where, just ter- the whole time, just terrified, like, because if this ball comes to me, I'm going to drop it, and everybody will hate me, and everybody will realize that I'm a terrible person, right? I go real quick from dropping a softball to I'm the worst, right? And, but that's what we do. That's what possums do, right? And so we try to avoid that by staying hidden. Right? Uh, possums use their weaknesses as a shield or an excuse for inactivity. I'm not very good is used whenever the possum is asked to help out or be part of something. Right? Like we want to be invited. We want to be part of community. There's something inside of us that, that knows if we could, we want to be loved and we want to be uh, connected with, with, with people. But when we're asked to do something, come and join this community group, right? Come and join the softball team. Come and do what, this thing or, or that. We're like, that's oh, too scary. Right? But there's something we need to press into that and to, to trust the, the presence of God, that he loves us, that he is for us, right? And that we can just step into that. And in that community, we will find joy if it's a healthy community, if there's protectors. If you step into community with predators, it's not going to bring joy. It's going to bring low joy, the opposite of joy. What's the opposite of joy? Badness. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but if we are a healthy community, inviting possums into healthy community, they will grow in joy. Okay, there we go. Goodness gracious. Um, so the third, uh, hey, the third, third one, the third distinctive of a high joy community is this idea of being presence-based and knowing the, the, the presence of, of Jesus and the, the peace of Jesus. We're going to spend next week talking about that. So we're just going to conclude right there, right? We talked about two things. The weak and the strong together and interacting, tender responses to weakness 
being the rule. And so what would it look like if we were a community where people weren't just welcome, but they were actually wanted? Right? How would you greet people on Sunday mornings if we were actively creating an atmosphere of joy? Who would you talk to? What would your priority be? What would it look like if New Day Community Church was a church that was full of protectors, that was full of people looking out for and living tenderly with people with weaknesses? That would be beautiful. How, how awesome would it be to invite friends and family into this community that we, we know, regardless of what we're struggling with, regardless of where we are in life, that you're going to be welcomed and loved. And so today, as we close, let's remember that when we are left to our own uh, selfish nature, we move towards being protectors. Nope. Lies. I said it a lie. We, when left to our own selfish nature, we move towards being predators. There it is. Edit point. <laughs> predators take advantage of others, use them to prop themselves up. Or, left to our own devices, we move towards being possums, hiding our true self in order to protect ourselves. But in our own weaknesses, in our moments of weakness, Jesus comes as a loving protector. He accepts us. He welcomes us in. He wants us to be part of his family. He chose us when we were his enemies. He loved us. He allowed the Holy Spirit time to transform us more and more into his image. So in response to this unconditional love that each and every one of us has received, right? let's pour that same love out onto everyone that we encounter in the church, in our homes, at work, in the grocery store, wherever it is that you run into people. And let's be so filled with the love of God that we become protectors of the weak as we welcome them in with open arms. Amen? Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for your unfailing love for us, that when we were your enemies, when we were following our, our own sinful natures. You loved us and you became incarnate. You became a man to, to be close to us, to bear our sin and our shame, to deal with the, the problem of sin so that we could be restored into relationship. Lord, help us to remember that grace. Help us to remember that love that has been so lavishly poured out on us Help us to be filled to overflowing that that love and that joy and that acceptance will pour out onto every person that we meet. Lord Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.